0: And welcome to Deep Dive from the Japan Times, I'm Oscar Boyd. From India to the United States, the pandemic has spurred millions of people to leave their jobs in search of more fulfilling, flexible roles in what has been dubbed the Great Resignation. But so far at least, Japan's workforce is charting a very different course with fewer people than ever moving jobs. This week, senior staff writer Alex Martin and I discuss the changing face of work in japan and why so few people are inclined to switch roles alex martin welcome back to deep dive thank you so much for joining me today thanks oscar for having me back great to see you again So in many countries, as the pandemic took hold, we started to see reports of people switching jobs en masse. And this has been called the Great Resignation or the Big Quit by a lot of Western media. What's been happening in the labour market overseas? Well, according to reports,
1: for example, in the United States, I think back in November last year, 3% of the workforce, that's 4.5 million people, quit their jobs, which is, I think, perhaps a record high. And uh, it seems to be a phenomenon not just limited to the United States, but uh, also in Europe, um, in Australia. Also in India, in the tech sector, I think we're seeing a lot of people sort of reconsidering their uh,
0: job priorities and uh, moving around. And what are some of the main reasons that people are leaving their jobs or changing their career paths?
1: What we're seeing is, you know, people who are either burned out or finding different new opportunities with better pay and better conditions. People in the, uh, the health, uh, healthcare sector, uh, nurses, uh, doctors, people who are at the, on the, the front lines of uh, COVID. I think many of them have, you know, they're really tired, they're burned out. You can imagine, you know, the pressure they've been going through. Um, so I think there's a high turnover rate um, in that sector and also the service sector Mm. it's the same in japan but you know when uh, lockdowns kick in uh, restaurants uh, bars they need to close or shorten their hours um, which means that they're not hiring as many people as before some people i think would even consider changing their occupation or type of work considering that
0: uh, this similar situation could happen again Mm -hmm. so because of the instability Yes. Of their jobs or, you know, losing their jobs because of the pandemic. They're now considering not going back to those jobs and trying to find either more permanent or different careers.
1: Yeah. And then there's also uh, the proliferation of uh, remote work, which is huge, I think. That's sort of the backbone behind this big movement. Obviously, I don't think we've seen people working from their homes or uh, outside of offices in this scale ever. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really uh, affecting a lot of things, not just the uh, the job market, but uh, I think how people sort of consider their uh, work-life balance, um, family
0: obligations. That's another big factor, I think. Let's move to Japan then. Japan has never had the kind of hard, hard lockdown that we've seen in, for example, some areas of the United States. But it has had its state of emergencies. It has had requests for people to stay at home, to work from home where possible. So at the beginning of the pandemic, when the first state of emergencies were introduced, how did working habits begin to change?
1: Well, as with many other work-related customs in Japan, things are a little bit slow here compared to uh, perhaps the U.S. um, or other countries that have digitized quickly. In terms of remote work, the government was really uh, pushing for it, obviously, um, for (laughs) obvious reasons. Um, However, it took a little while, I think, before uh, corporations started to actually implement uh, this type of work uh, system. Um, The big ones started off first, uh, the tech companies. I think the smaller firms, the small and mid-sized firms, uh, manufacturers, they were a bit slow to sort of uh, catch up on this um, because of uh, lack of software or hardware. A lot of the cases I've heard is, are that the, the old bosses, they just don't like people working from home because they can't actually watch over them. They get anxious that, you know, uh, are, are they actually working or are they taking a nap or doing something else? That ingrained sort of uh, culture where a company and its employees are considered family. And this goes back to the lifetime employment system and uh, things like that. And once people start working from home, it's very hard to grasp what they're doing or what they're thinking. So uh, some companies or corporate uh, CEOs uh, were perhaps um, not really happy about that. It took a while for uh, a lot of companies to actually start implementing this system.
0: Yeah, I remember in kind of the early days of the pandemic, there were stories about people being forced to come into the office basically just because they needed to use the traditional Hanko seal to sign off on documents and nothing could be done electronically. So it was really hampering the efforts to actually digitize things or get people working remotely properly. Yeah, I remember doing a story last year about how remote work wasn't really working in Japan,
1: and one of the people I interviewed, a lady, I think in her 30s or 40s, who, who works for a, an internet sort of a web magazine. <laughs> you would assume that you know a company like that would be very sort of advanced in terms of uh, remote work and teleworking, but it's the same thing that she mentioned. Uh, she was asked to come in at least you know a few days a week, and uh, she recalled one meeting where... Uh, so they have a client, and the client is on Zoom or uh, some kind of video chat. They're talking on the other side, and then they're all the rest of the people in her team are just crowded into this room, staring into the video screen. <laughs> and obviously, there's no sort of uh, social distancing among themselves, and they could might as well go, go home and you know join the uh, chat from their own uh, yeah, yeah. Of homes. But they come into the office anyway and crowd in together, and but things like that I think uh, still persists to uh, to some level.
0: So that was the early days of the pandemic, and since then it seems like a lot more companies have gotten bored with the idea of remote working, where it's possible at least. But when it comes to this idea of a great resignation, are we seeing similar trends in Japan to those overseas?
1: Uh, In terms of hard statistics, uh, the answer is no. In fact, I think the rate of people uh, hopping jobs, changing jobs has uh, even decreased um, during the pandemic. However, um, there has been some statistics taken from government surveys indicating that people who haven't yet, but people who want to change jobs, they're actually uh, climbing quite uh, at a a fast pace. So 2019 pre-pandemic levels compared to last year, I think, The survey shows there used to be 8 million people who were considering changing jobs. Now it's
0: about 8.5. So that's half a million people over the past two years who are considering changing jobs, but they haven't. Okay, so even while people are considering changing jobs, the labour market as it stands at the moment is still very static. I read in your recent article about this topic that only 4.3% of the working population changed their jobs in 2021, which was actually down 0.5% from 2020. So we're seeing the complete opposite of a great resignation here. Right. What are some of the reasons for that? Well, for example in the US what happened
1: was the economy came back that sort of pushed the uh, the the whole movement. And whereas in Japan we haven't really seen that kind of uh, strong sort of revival yet in terms of the economy as perhaps one reason. And then there's several other reasons, actually, of why uh, uh, the job market's not as uh, fluid as it is in other countries. One reason is uh, the deflationary economy. Uh, Ever since the asset price bubble uh, burst in the early 1990s, Japan's been really dealing with this uh, uh, deflationary uh, mindset among consumers, also among corporations, where it's very hard to sort of raise prices here. Customers are very frugal when it comes to uh, shopping and buying things, which means that corporations take on the, uh, the damage themselves internally to sort of offer. Cheaper products. At the same time, we have sort of the the remains of the lifetime employment mentality. Um, The concept itself. Not really functioning anymore in, in the sense that uh, people are guaranteed a stable position uh, for the duration of their uh, career. However, I think that mindset still persists. You can still sort of see uh, remnants of uh, people sort of wanting that kind of stability. And then there's also the, uh, the growing number of temp workers or part time workers. Um, they now account for about 40% of the entire workforce. And this is a direct result of uh, Japan's sort of stagnant economy. You know, companies could no longer sort of afford to sort of uh, keep these really expensive uh, full-time employees so they started sort of outsourcing jobs so the cheaper sort of uh, part-timers the wages they're getting it's pulling down the entire sort of uh, the wage growth of japan and that's one reason why we haven't been seeing much wage growth at all um, over the past decade or two and that means you can skip jobs but you probably can't expect to get much of a raise right so mm. for example in the indian tech sector i, I hear that you know um uh people in demand you know they can make twice as much if they change jobs or three times as much you can't really expect that in japan you can change jobs and uh, perhaps look for a better sort of wage option but uh, it's not going to be as drastically
0: different compared to some other countries Mm -hmm. so all these factors taken together the lingering habits of the lifetime employment system a deflationary mindset that means companies are unwilling or unable to raise salaries and a general lack of wage growth across the economy These are contributing to both a sense of risk aversion and a lack of incentive for people to try and shift jobs?
1: I think so. As I mentioned, it is changing, especially in the tech sector. You know, if you're working for a startup or, you know, if you're a part of a startup community, changing jobs isn't as a thing as it was before. People do it frequently. But I think the general feeling is that, you know, let's say I'm a a 30-something Japanese corporate employee and I've hopped jobs eight times over the past 15 years. Let's say I tell that to uh, someone my mother's age, perhaps, mm-hmm, someone mm-hmm. in their 70s. They would be like, eight times? You know, what, what, what are you doing? You must, there must be something wrong with you, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's a sort of a, a generational gap in terms of uh, how people perceive uh, changing jobs. Also, um, there's the seniority-based wage system which is, I think that's another really big reason, um, that's making it difficult for people to sort of uh, change jobs that, that easily wages are based on, uh, when you join the company and how long you spend time in the company. This goes back to the, uh, the concept of, you know, lifetime employment and dedication, which is fine when it was working. But the thing is like when the job market becomes a little bit more fluid and people start coming and going, that kind of system is not very flexible in terms of, uh, accepting, um, other talent. And I think that's an ingrained sort of corporate system that's been sort of uh, hampering, uh, this kind of uh, uh, labor market fluidity.
0: Turning to the service sector for a moment, I feel like when I've walked around Tokyo recently, I've seen a lot more restaurants with staff wanted signs in the window. It certainly feels like more have them now than they did pre-pandemic. And I know that there's been reporting on how the restaurant industry and places like convenience stores are facing labor shortages at the moment. Is that not having an effect on wages as restaurants are forced to compete for a limited pool of staff?
1: Yeah, um, well, in terms of the hourly uh, minimum wage, it is growing. The government's been pushing for it. And also, I think we're seeing signs of inflation for the past few months, and especially with the uh, the situation in Ukraine and Russia um, and energy prices rising, that could also mean more inflation in the, in the coming uh, weeks and months. So when that happens, you know, we, I think people are sort of forced to start you know, g- giving more money because it just doesn't match the, uh, the amount you're earning and the amount you're buying purchasing as a customer so we'll see how that sort of really plays out but then there's also the uh, the sticky wage theory where uh, corporations are really hesitant to raise wages because once they do they can't pull them back down
0: looking for a new job then today's sponsor might be right up your alley today's episode is brought to you by rgf professional recruitment japan the bilingual arm of recruit japan and asia's largest recruiting and information service company helping thousands of people every year to unleash their potential rgf partners with multinational and domestic businesses with a global outlook in japan to provide market-leading bilingual talent across all industries Their career consultants ensure that your job search is smooth and stress-free whilst identifying the best opportunities to meet your career and personal goals. RGF specialises in finding positions for skilled professionals across all functions of enterprise technology, professional services and consulting, consumer technology, back office and finance, industrial and manufacturing and healthcare. Visit rgf-professional.jp. That's rgf-professional.jp to register your resume and unleash your potential today. That link is in the show notes. So the data shows there's no real evidence of people in Japan switching jobs en masse uh, no real evidence of a great resignation. But what changes have we seen to the ways in which people work over the pandemic?
1: I think one big change. Um, so job hopping isn't a really thing yet, right? I mean, it could be a thing in the coming years, but at this moment it's not. However, what we're already seeing is, uh, I mean, and the government's been pushing for this too, but there's a word called fukugyo, which is... Uh, a side job They've really have been pushing for people to start making you know getting side jobs uh, for various reasons one because i think uh, the pension system is not if we reach that age perhaps we're not going to be getting as much as uh, our uh, mothers or fathers because of japan's demographic outlook so i, th- I think the government's sort of really pushing for uh, workers to sort of start you know getting side jobs and earn more and start saving more um, to sort of just prepare for themselves and the remote work really facilitate that because you can actually work from home and you can you know talk to clients via uh, video chat you don't have to actually go there and talk to them in person anymore, oftentimes, and it gives you more time to actually uh, take on these side jobs. Um, there's several statistics when it comes to how many freelancers uh, are in Japan. There's the official stats from the government, and there's also uh, sort of unofficial private sector um, stats that indicate that over the past uh, year or so, um, the number of uh, people freelancing has jumped by like 5 million or something. Mm. It's very hard to tell, you know, what these action, the actual numbers indicate or if they're correct or not. But it, it does show that I think a lot of people are taking on different sort of responsibilities um, during the pandemic.
0: And what do you think the future of remote work will be in Japan? Because it does feel like a lot more companies are on board with the idea now that we're entering the third year of the pandemic. And I think the most extreme example of this that we've seen in Japan is Yahoo, who said in January of this year that it would be allowing all 8,000 of its employees to work from anywhere in the country.
1: Yeah, Yahoo Japan was really quick. I would assume they probably had a system, internal system, where they sort of measured output And uh, location, cetera. and they figured out that you know people can actually work from anywhere they want to, and we can actually produce the same amount of uh, quality work. And it's an it's an extremely strong recruitment tool. If you're uh, an engineer and you're looking to find uh, a nice job in Japan from you know Fukuoka, let's say, or Sendai, or somewhere else, and you see Yahoo Japan saying that you know you can work wherever in japan you want to and like yeah you know so i was it's a very sort of clever move because uh it you know makes headlines and it also really appeals your company so i think stuff like
0: that um, a lot of other corporations are going to start copying pretty soon so you think that remote work will become a permanent feature of japan's work culture
1: at least for the big tech companies i think so once the competition kicks in for talent i think uh, we'll see more sort of corporations um introducing much more
0: flexible sort of uh, working environments but perhaps not small to mid-size or more traditional companies, then?
1: Yeah, I think we'll. I mean, this is just, you know, me from reporting over the past two years or so. I think there's going to be a big divide. Um, we're going to see the big tech companies really embracing this, and then the smaller sort of chuishoki uh, or smaller, medium sized companies. Some might, some may not. Some experts at least are seeing the starting to see the end game of COVID. We don't know yet, but uh, mm-hmm. if that is the case, um, then uh, if people can go back to the office and if These corporations,
0: if they have resisted teleworking until now, then there's no reason for them to embrace it. Mm -hmm. Does that mean we're not seeing much in the way of demand from employees for the ability to work from home? From the workers' standpoint, I think uh, a lot of surveys indicated that, you know, one of the
1: priorities that most workers want when they're looking for jobs is to work remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a huge sort of a tool uh, for corporations to use to lure these uh, workers. So if, if that is the case, I think even these uh, smaller companies or uh, even big companies who resisted teleworking, I think they might be sort of pressured into sort of uh, offering some
0: kind of uh, options to get talent. I think one of the most interesting things that we've seen emerge from the pandemic is that Tokyo, for the first time in over a quarter of a century, has actually lost population over the past year. And historically, you know, Tokyo has been this black hole sucking in people and talent from the countryside. Tokyo's population has consistently increased while rural cities have fallen into decline. Is this flight from the city a reflection of changing work habits?
1: Well, initially, COVID and social distancing and the fact that Tokyo is just extremely crowded, um, turned some people off and people who had the option to uh, move uh, moved. I think that was the initial trigger. And then I think once remote working kicked in, people realized that they don't really have to be in Tokyo to work. Um, so a lot of people move to the suburbs, perhaps, to the nearby prefectures or even somewhere completely different. Um, I've talked to several people who've actually done that, um, even in the story that uh, we're talking about today. Yamazaki-san, who worked at Olympus Corp., um, he moved from Tokyo to uh, Ina in Nagano Prefecture. And now he has subcontracts work from three different companies, makes around the same amount of money he did in Tokyo. You know, lots of uh, mountains and uh, nature there. I think a lot of Tokyoites, including myself, you know, we always sort of daydream about, you know, just getting out of the city and living somewhere else. But, you know, until now, it's been really difficult because uh, you just need to physically be in the office. Um, I mean, I'm a reporter, so I need to go to the scene. I'll probably have to be in Tokyo anyway. But uh, if that wasn't the case, and if I had the uh, the option to live somewhere else, I would think, you know, I mean, consider the, you know, the disaster risks, too. Tokyo is one of the most dangerous cities in the world. I mean, we can have like a big earthquake tomorrow and see like, you know, half a million people die. You never know what's going to happen right typhoon season you know, so many rivers in the city overflowing flood risks considering that <laughs> and all the geopolitical things going on at this moment you know i i would imagine a lot of think people are considering just you know maybe just get out of the big city and like you know move to the countryside I'm not saying that's the best thing to do, um, because living in the countryside has its own sort of uh, perks and uh, difficulties, obviously tied to depopulation. But however, I think in terms of a very simple sort of uh, mind game, um, I think
0: that's the kind of uh, thing that many people are thinking. And is this trend of Tokyo losing population expected to continue into the future? You know, has the city hit some kind of limit? I don't
1: know. Um the problem with Tokyo is it's just everything's here. It's the center of, you know, the economy, uh, politics. A lot of uh, good universities are here, top-level hospitals, schools. So, you know, it's just has everything and I don't think that's really going to change. My personal take is that we probably won't be seeing uh, a big sort of uh, exodus from Tokyo in terms of the working population. However I would think the uh, the remote work and teleworking and uh, this flexibility would allow a lot of workers to perhaps sort of uh, spend uh, significantly more time outside of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So maybe they would have like a small apartment here and then uh, maybe a, a weekend house somewhere else. And there's so many deals now where you can sort of rent out places uh, outside of Tokyo for a week weeks or or months Mm -hmm. um, for a decent price Um, so a kind of sort of hybrid sort of like city life slash
0: rural uh, life i think that might be uh, become a trend and last time we had you on the podcast we were talking about japan's epidemic of loneliness is there an increased risk of social isolation for some people as a result of working from home, not having those draws to the city or to the office or the workplace to uh, you know, maintain social connections?
1: Um, I think that's definitely happening. You can see it in various surveys conducted by different think tanks in terms of uh, feeling lonely or loneliness. Um, it is uh, a phenomenon that's uh, sort of uh, becoming more prominent, I think. Over the past two years. At the same time, I think corporations are going to start or are already doing um, what they call sort of uh, creating office spaces, not for work, but for for their employees to sort of come and mingle and talk. I think a lot of corporations uh, in the tech sector, perhaps, are trying to sort of implement these sort of uh, new facilities um, to sort of enhance communication so they can work at home if they want to. But if they want to meet up with people, they can actually come to a nice space
0: with a, mm. with perhaps a cafe or something but not something that we'd traditionally consider an office right one of the things in your article that you wrote about is that you said if there's a silver lining to all this it could be how the big shift towards working remotely is redefining the relationship between job obligations and family what did you mean by that So what's been happening in the past was uh, if you're a
1: professional and uh, let's say you're a female and you had a kid, um, a lot of times you would take maternity leave. And that would potentially mean that you're sort of derailed from the corporate sort of ladder. Whereas in terms of remote working, let's say you need to take care of your kid and go pick him up at 5 p.m. every day so he can't, you know, work late hours. You could still take on tasks during your free time from home. People who uh, work in the uh, human resources, um, I think they're thinking that this is a chance to sort of get more people back into the workforce. People who are sort of forced to sort of uh, be sidelined because of uh, family obligations or even taking care of their, you know, aging mothers and fathers. So, yeah, in terms of uh, changing jobs or um, um, finding jobs, the permeation of remote work would offer more incentives, I think,
0: for uh, people with uh, relatives that need to take care of to actually uh, come back to work. My final question to you. Japan has notoriously long working hours and is also recognized as having the lowest productivity of any country in the G7. And pre-pandemic, it wasn't that infrequently that we saw stories of death by overwork make the headlines. In conversations about the Great Resignation overseas, you often hear that one of the more positive effects of people resigning en masse is that it puts more power into the hands of employees because companies have to compete over them. And that allows workers to demand better working conditions from their employers. If Japan doesn't go through a similar process... Do you think that there might be a missed opportunity for the country to reform some of the more negative elements of its work culture?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of corporations are realizing that, you know, just having their employees work long hours may not equal productivity. Um, so they're trying to cut down on that. But the thing is, it still persists. And uh, there are a lot of uh, so-called black, uh, brachio, black mm. corporations around where they just overwork their uh, employees to death. And unless the economy really sort of revives and uh, the wages go up and workers' incentives to find better jobs really gets a boost, I think that kind of uh, sad phenomenon is going to persist. So it really depends on how Japan performs, I think, in terms of uh, its economy and what they're going to do with the, uh, the the huge population of uh, temporary and uh, part-time workers. They need to, you know, get more skills to make more money in, in, in the labor market. But who are, who's going to be offering these uh, chances to get these necessary skills? Um, and? The government, again, has been pushing for this kind of thing. But so
0: far, I don't think we've been seeing
1: uh, much changes there. So we'll see.
0: Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. That was Alex Martin, and I put a link to his article about whether Japan is on the brink of a great resignation in the show notes. You can also find a transcript of this episode on the Japan Times website. Also in the news this week, the government says it is considering lifting the COVID-19 quasi-state of emergency for 18 prefectures including Tokyo and Osaka when those measures expire on March 21st, as long as the new infection data meet the criteria for lifting the emergency. Reflecting falling case counts, on Saturday, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said that he plans to restart the go-to Travel" tourism campaign, telling reporters that the government will make preparations so that the campaign can be resumed promptly when the appropriate time comes. More news from Japan on the Japan Times website. This episode had editing help from Dave Cortez. When I asked Dave what his favourite podcast is to listen to, he told me it's This American Life. I asked him why and he looked at me with this long, piercing stare and simply said, You know, it just has everything, and I don't think that's really going to change. We'll be back next week, but until then... As always, Potska Sama.